Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. President Trump will be arraigned today. The four counts from the special counsel, Jack Smith. The four counts that are a magnificent stretch. Oh, there are people who are saying, uh, you know, Trump really is guilty. This was a crime. Trump needs to be held to account. That happens politically, not criminally. Even friends of mine, people I know, like, and trust, people I believe have minds. I just think they're flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. As wrong as Joy Behar. You know what? What about making a deal? What about Sonny if he makes he makes a deal with with, Smith without jail time and without jail? He says, "Look, I'm going away. I'm moving to Saudi Arabia." (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be good? Just go away. We don't. I don't even care if he goes to jail. I don't have it in my heart to punish the guy. I just want him to go away and stop. We feel the same way about you, Joy. We feel the same way about you. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. But forget all that. We should be clear that Trump being indicted on this on January 6th without without a mention of incitement um, is is madness. This is clearly retribution. I've described it as the left wanting a do-over of impeachment that they couldn't get done regarding January 6th. And I I, want to make sure I'm also clear, uh, following up on the conversation from yesterday, I don't think there's any part of this indictment that should have ever come or that holds. I think they're going to throw Trump in jail for this. That's where they're at. Two-tier justice? Absolutely. Corrupt, criminalized, uh, uh, vicious, retribution, DOJ? Absolutely true. Merrick Garland, an awful person. Jack Smith, an awful person who has been shown by the Supreme Court to be a failure? Absolutely true. I don't care. And I think they're going to throw Trump in jail over it. Do I think he's guilty of a crime? No. No, 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 no. I don't think he's guilty of a crime. Is he guilty of maybe many things in the public eye, the court of public opinion, my own personal theories and philosophies? You better believe it. And there are people who get upset with me about that, and honestly, I sleep fine. But we'll get into that. We need to start with the actual biggest story in America. And I know it's the biggest story because the left won't talk about it, and that is the Devin Archer transcript, which is out. House Oversight Committee put out the Devin Archer transcript, and that tells a fascinating, fascinating story. It certainly tells the story that Dan Goldman is a fraud. The representative from New York trying to make you believe that Joe Biden got on the phone with Hunter to discuss niceties with whoever was on the phone. No, 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 no. This, kids, was a mafia deal from the word go.
anybody thinks otherwise is out of their head and a liar. You you don't think that this was all about Joe Biden? You don't think this was all about access to Joe Biden? I dare you to debate me on it. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Go on. Defend. Defend the Biden crime family. The weirdest thing about this family, everybody's Fredo. The transcripts are out, and this stuff is ugly. Ugly. Let me, so I, I, I've only been able to go over it for just a little bit. I had a bunch of things to do before the show. So a lot of this I'm reading just as you are, and I'm going to start with what the House Oversight Committee put out in specific tweets because, you know, that's going to be the most salacious stuff. And I figured if I'm going to do it, I, 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 should, I should do it right. And, and I should do it as a, as a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A dramatic reading. Mr. Mandolfo asks, you keep saying the brand, but by the brand, you mean the Biden family, correct? Now, maybe we got to take a step back. Devin Archer is the former business partner of Hunter Biden. They were there at Burisma. They were there at this Rosemont uh, Partners group. As a matter of fact, there is a letter that Vice President Joe Biden wrote to Devin Archer. Wrote to him at the company Rosemont Seneca Partners, where he and Hunter Biden were partners in a business that was all about selling access to Joe Biden. Dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President Who. I think that's how I pronounce the last name. I hope I get a chance to see you uh, again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed the lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, sincerely Joe Biden. And then the PS, which is handwritten because everything else is typed. Happy you guys are together. I guess he thought Devin was going to be a good influence on his son, knowing that his son was a big, hot, stinking mess 12 years ago. And people are like, what's wrong with the letter? Tell me what's wrong with the letter. There's nothing wrong with the letter. Letter's quite lovely. That's a super kind letter. You got a letter like that from the vice president of the United States, you'd be like, wowzers. That's a very nice letter. The letter shows that Joe Biden had connections to Hunter Biden and his overseas business dealings and knew of these players. It wasn't totally separate and that everything that Joe Biden and Corinne Jean-Pierre and the Biden administration have been saying about having no connection to Hunter Biden and his overseas business dealings was a lie, is a lie, and continues to be a lie. That's why the letter matters so much. And that's why when Corinne Jean-Pierre changed the... uh, changed the game and started discussing the idea uh, that uh, they that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden um, they never they never uh, worked together that isn't what got discussed that wasn't the conversation the question was 
about, or I should say the statement was always about, always, always, always about Joe Biden didn't talk to his son about his overseas business dealings. And then Corinne Jean-Pierre changed it to, they never worked together. Changed, moved the goalposts. So that's Devin Archer. And then Devin Archer uh, appeared in front of the House Oversight Committee and people like Representative Dan Goldman tried to sell us on the idea that there was no there there. Dan Goldman tried to sell us on the idea that these conversations were totally fine, totally normal. This was Representative Dan Goldman. And I want to be very clear about one thing. Uh, He did describe that there were approximately 20 occasions over the course of their uh, nearly decade-long business relationship where when one of them called the other, um, that Hunter Biden would uh, ask his father to say hello to whomever he was at dinner. He said there were some times when it was friends and sometimes when it was uh, potential business partners or business partners. But the witness was unequivocal and stated very clearly that they never discussed any business on that phone conversations. There were niceties and there was a hello and there we talked about the weather or whatever it was, but it was never any business. Niceties. That's all it was. Just niceties. Now, you and I, we come from different places. You and I, we've had different life experiences. We've had different connections. When Hunter Biden put his father on the phone, his father wasn't on the phone to negotiate the deal. His father was on the phone for one purpose. You know what it is, as well as I. Joe was on the phone to make sure everybody knew that the deal was legit and they had to deal with Hunter in order to get to him. Sometimes all you need is a wink and a nod. Nothing more and nothing less. But is Dan Goldman, Representative Dan Goldman, is he telling the truth here? Does he have it together? Well, we have got the transcript. So let us do what we do. A Mr. Mandolfo asking the question, you keep saying the brand, but by the brand, do you mean the Biden family, correct? Mr. Archer, correct. Mr. Mandolfo, and that brand is what, in your opinion? Was the majority of what the value that was delivered from Hunter Biden to Burisma? Mr. Archer, I didn't say majority, but I wouldn't speculate on percentages. But I do think that that was an element of it. Mr. Biggs, when you say Biden family, sorry to cut in here, I just want to get a clarification. You aren't talking about Dr. Jill or anybody else. You're talking about Joe Biden. Is that fair to say? Mr. Archer. Yeah, that's fair to say. Listen, I think it's, I don't think about it as, you know, Joe directly, but it's fair. That's fair to say. You don't think it's Joe directly? That's fair to say, he continued. Obviously, that brought the most value to the brand. 
Joe Biden was the brand, and Joe Biden brought the most value to the brand. Let's go back to questions here in this uh, testimony. This is the testimony of Devin Archer. I'm just reading it now uh, for for the first time. This let, let's continue with a a part two here. Mr. Mandolfa, that Hunter Biden was adding value. His value that he was adding was, in part, as you said, his family. Mr. Archer. Uh Uh-huh. Mr. Mandolfo. And so what is your basis for knowing that? Mr. Archer. My basis for knowing that? Well, I think there was, there are particular, you know, objectives that Burisma was trying to accomplish. And a lot of it's about opening doors, you know, globally in D.C. And I think that, you know, that was the, you know, and the uh, and then obviously having those doors open, you know, sent the right signals, you know, for Burisma to, you know, carry on its business and be successful. First, all those you knows, that's a guy who sounds nervous. That's 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 my take. Secondly, Opening the doors with the Biden brand, adding value, that was imperative for uh, Burisma to carry on its business and be successful. Well, how about in one of the places, and I'll get to it, where he says Burisma would not have been in business without Hunter Biden, which means without Joe Biden. He actually states it right here. My only thought, it is from Archer, my only thought is that I think Burisma would have gone out of business if it didn't have the brand attached to it. That's my, like, only honest opinion. But I have no basis for any, never heard any conversations. Mr. Goldman. But that's different than Joe Biden's action. Mr. Archer, right. Mr. Goldman, you're just talking about that Hunter was on board. Mr. Archer, right. And I think that's why Mr. Goldman. And so, Mr. Archer, it was able to survive for as long as it did. So that was Dan Goldman interrupting him. But what Archer says is having Hunter on board is why Burisma lasted as long as it did. Mr. Goldman then continues right here. Let me make sure I've I've got it right here. Mr. Goldman, by because of additional capital or Mr. Archer? Just because of the brand. Mr. Goldman, well, I don't understand. How does that have an impact? Mr. Archer, well, the capabilities to navigate D.C. that they were able to, you know, basically be in the news cycle. And I think that preserved them from a, you know, from longevity standpoint. That's like my honest, that's like really what I, that's like how I think holistically. Again, this guy is a terrible public speaker. But holy cow, even under questioning from Dan Goldman, Devin Archer, the former business partner of Hunter Biden, who states quite clearly that the only reason Burisma is in business is because Hunter Biden was connected to Joe Biden, and that's what kept it afloat. That's what kept it afloat. Oh, I'm only getting started. How about the fact that Vice President Joe Biden attended dinners with Hunter Biden's business associates? 
people who wired money to Biden and his associated LLCs. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to talk about the nonsense indictment of Trump from a corrupt DOJ? Sure. I'll get to it. I'm going to talk about it. I promise you, I will get there. But the biggest scandal in America is the Biden crime family. Not going to stop talking about that either. I'm Tony Katz. I have a couple of things to get into today, but one of the subjects is what happens when politicians hate you? They, they hate the people they claim to want to represent. It's a, it, it is a, a level of despising them. Maybe, maybe it always existed. But with the advent of of more in radio, more new media, more social media, it's just so much easier to discover. This is Representative Ro Kahana, progressive out of California, who on some things, he's, when he talks about free speech and supporting it, I, I've always appreciated. And then in other ways, he's just as progressive as we know him to be. This is from CNN. Real quick, CNN cameras exclusively caught up with President Biden on a bike ride this morning, asked him if he was going to be monitoring this arraignment today. And he, in passing, as he was passing by, he said no. But I'm curious how much you think you'd like to hear Joe Biden when he's hitting the campaign trail talking about this, talking about this indictment against Donald Trump when he is campaigning and also still president, of course. I don't think he should be. I think he should be focused on how he's going to continue to lower the price of eggs and milk. That's what I heard back in my district, how he's going to lower the cost of child care, how he's going to continue to bring manufacturing back, and how he's going to try to heal this country. You know, one thing I think the president probably uh, regrets is that he really wants to unify this country. He wants to bring people together. That's what his inaugural was about. That's who he is as a person. And I think he knows that if he starts commenting on these things, that aspiration becomes harder. That's when it becomes harder? If he comments about the indictment, not everything he has said and done over the past two and a half years, you're still buying into the idea that he's a uniter? Congressman, that's how you lie to us? That's what I'm talking about, about hate. Because there's no way you say that with a straight face if you don't have disdain for your own constituents. I'm Tony Katz. Oh, I've got much more of the Devin Archer transcripts to share with you. House Oversight Committee putting those out. The Biden crime family is the biggest story in America. Doesn't matter if CNN or MSNBC report on it or not. If you want to argue this with me, 833-GOT-TONY. Debate it, discuss it, whatever word you want to use. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. That's how we play our game. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Feel free. For Twitter at Tony Katz, Tony at TonyKatz.com. Whatever, whatever you need there, kitten. There's a story out of Portland. I caught the story over at Fox News. 
it's a story of a doctor, a woman by the name of Mary Constantino. Dr. Constantino is a radiologist. Dr. Constantino lives in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Constantino was walking down the street. Walking with a friend. And the next thing she knows, she's on the ground, blood pouring out of her mouth. She was attacked by a homeless man. Thinking that she was about to be killed the second she got herself conscious. She called 911. So as she clears her head a little bit, she's like, okay, I'm not dying. I, I, I've been hit. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to die. Um, and she realizes, though, this guy who attacked her by throwing an aluminum water bottle at her is still coming at her. Her friend... This guy starts yelling at the homeless dude, and the homeless dude ran away. And she states, had it not been for this person being with me, it would have been, I think, been a lot worse. Now, we could stop the story there and discuss the difference between men and women. We could discuss that there is a difference between men and women. And one would question if a woman was yelling at him whether or not the homeless man would have stopped. I'll leave that for another day. Police in Portland confirmed the incident, telling uh, Fox News that the surveillance video captured what appeared to be the unprovoked and brutal attack. Officers got dispatched at 10.55 p.m. So we are clear, they got dispatched after... 20 minutes after she was struck. There is video of this. I'm actually watching it right now. They're walking down a, a, a street. It's not, like a, it's not like a street with cars. And this guy just walks out from nowhere and throws this water bottle at this woman. Here is the guy like, what in the world? What are you doing? What's going on? Doesn't run after him. Doesn't even drop the bag in his hand. He's still holding on to it. And this guy then runs off. 20 minutes after she called the police, after being attacked, they show up. Oh, I take that back. They didn't show up 20 minutes later. They showed up 28 minutes later. They were dispatched 20 minutes after she said she was struck, eight minutes after they were dispatched. And by that time, the doctor, Dr. Costantino, had already given up and gone home. She then states, if we don't have police officers to come to the side of somebody who is under attack, then we're all on our own. She continues by saying, we did this to ourselves. I do not hold the police accountable for this at all. I hold our city accountable for defunding the police. 
This is her statement to Fox News. We don't have enough police force to protect our citizens, and we did this to ourselves. By the way, she got hit in the eye and in the mouth. She was a bloody mess. And the answer is, yes, you did. You did it to yourself. Thank you for noticing. Now what do you want to do? I don't want you to be attacked. Oh, I don't want this for you. My gosh, I don't want this for you at all. It's an awful thing. But the people who scream defund, the people who scream uh, uh, end the police, this is your world. Now, what I want is for you to live in that world. I want to make sure I'm understood. I want the people who want the world of defund the police, I want them to live in that world. I want them to experience the pain that they want. I want them to get the suffering that they are desperate for. I want it to happen to you. The problem with that is is that uh, it, it never just happens to them, does it? No, no, no. We all end up dealing with the nonsense. We all end up getting hurt. All of us. And so, therefore, I have to be somebody against these things. I have to speak out against them. I have to share uh, why this is a problem. The progressive will never, ever, ever understand because very rarely do they have to deal with the consequences of their actions. If you listen to uh, professors on a college campus sitting in their, in their uh, teacher's lounge and patches on the elbows, they'll all whack semantics about ideas about how society should work because it's easy for them. They never have to live with the consequences of their actions. We should do this to business, and business should have to pay this, and they should have to do this and that. And then the business goes out of business, and they go, huh, hmm. Well, I guess they didn't implement it right. Hmm, they must have just been a bad business. Yes, yes, let's go on. It never affects them. When New York City says we're a sanctuary city and we stand with illegal immigrants, they never imagined that Texas would bus up 50,000 illegal immigrants and say, here you go, live your fantasy. There are, there are videos out right now of, of streets in New York just lined with people who are homeless, lined with illegal immigrants. And my question to you is, and? You now tell me that I'm unkind You now tell me that I'm indecent. You now tell me that I'm the problem. I'm just terrible. Why don't I care about people? And you know what I say? From Television City in Hollywood. This is the life you wanted. New Yorkers want it to be a sanctuary city, and they vote for progressives, and they vote for progressive policies. They wanted this pain. I'm thrilled that they're dealing with it. 
And if they were even decent people, they would invite those people into their homes and they would feed them. But no, Michael's too militant for that. And the rest of them don't actually give a damn about brown people at all. They don't care about people of color. They don't care if the children die on the streets. They never cared. They just wanted to look good to their other progressive friends. This is the world that they wanted. Why should I be upset that they are living it? Doesn't make any sense to me. That I should somehow be angry, that you should somehow be angry, that we should somehow be upset, that we have to somehow clutch our pearls. Can I share, by the way? There was this, there was this tweet from, from Alyssa Farah. Over at The View, you understand, I don't know Alyssa Farah, when she was uh, rep, uh, repping and uh, taking care of uh, bookings for uh, for Vice President Pence, I dealt with her a couple times and trying to set up some interviews, and she was certainly nice enough, but I was just the person she had to be nice to in, in, in the moment. She didn't give a, a damn about me at, at, at all. And, and, and by the way, that's not a knock on her. That's just true uh, around the board. She, she puts out a, 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 a tweet that goes, WTH, as in, what the hell? At a campaign stop in New Hampshire, DeSantis vowed that when it comes to federal bureaucrats, quote, we're going to start slitting throats on day one. Not everyone liked the word choice, particularly the bit about slitting throats. And uh, so there's a link to it. And she responds with, WTH, what the hell? What's what's wrong with that? Okay, it's some strong language, slitting throats. I assume it's in the vein of H.L. Mencken, but uh, understanding H.L. Mencken would mean you've actually read a book in your life. But what's so different between slitting throats and uh, releasing the whirlwind and you'll pay the price? What's so different between slitting throats and, you know, uh, the intelligence community has six ways from Sunday uh, of getting back at you? What's the difference between slitting throats and allowing protesters to try and influence uh, Supreme Court justices in a decision regarding Dobbs and Roe v. Wade through intimidation? And how about uh, heading over to a justice's home to assassinate him and maybe his family? Maybe, maybe you shouldn't get so worked up, Alyssa. Maybe, just maybe, by not paying attention to the other things... You've invited this. What? That, that, that's what you tell people all the time. That's what you tell people all the time, that they did this to themselves. You say it constantly. When uh, the, the, the DOJ is going after certain people, like, for example, parents, well, maybe if they hadn't acted up at school board meetings, why not just tell them their their skirt was just too short? Go on. I want you to live in the hellscape that you want the rest of us to live in. So do I feel bad for New Yorkers? No. What do I know? I'm not going to New York. By the way, it kills me. I have things to do. I do real work when I'm there. Grew up in New Jersey. New York was was a place. The only place I ever lived where going to the city never meant Philadelphia and never meant downtown. It meant going to Manhattan. That's all it meant. Look at what they're living with. But this is what they wanted.
Why shouldn't they get what they wanted? This doctor in Portland, we did this to ourselves. Yes. Now the question is, will you learn from it? Now the question is, will you demand better? And I certainly hope that you do. Because I don't want doctors attacked. I don't want anybody attacked. I don't want these people on the street actually thinking that they're in charge. But if anybody's going to get attacked, and I don't want anybody to be attacked, it should be the people who were the most vocal in screaming defund the police. The first attacks should be on them. I don't want anybody to be attacked, but if they're going to happen, because clearly they're happening, let it not be the doctor who never really thought about it, shamefully. Let it be the people who advocated for it. Oh, that's too much? That's too much? Sure. I'm Tony Katz. day I brought up a story out of Memphis where a man tried to engage in an attack on an Orthodox Jewish school. Um, Orthodox, conservative, reform, there's reconstructions, there are different types of Judaism. Orthodox would be the, the most religious, you know it as the, as the, the black suits, the hats, uh, what is known as payas, right? Those curls on the side of the face. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. So this was in Memphis. And as the story goes, the guy was a former student, which, all right, I guess not what you would be expecting, and tried to break into the school and had a gun and fired the weapon outside the school, tried to get in the building. Now, there's a series of reports about what happened to the guy, and I I think there's going to be more reporting uh, that, that comes, of course. But the police got the call about a suspected armed, uh, a suspect armed with a handgun outside. It's called the Margolin Hebrew Academy. He attempted to enter the school, but was unable to gain access due to the security doors. David Harsanyi, who is with the Federalist, reminds people that Chris Hayes of MSNBC, going back a year ago, was a guy tweeting, oh my God, they're going to go with the one door thing, aren't they? Meaning the political right is going to notice that schools would be safer if the doors were locked and schools actually were. Remember these talk about hardening the target, hardening schools? That conversation went away. Chris Hayes in May of 22, oh my God, they're going to go with the one door thing, aren't they? And then followed up with a tweet, one door in and out of crowded schools. What could go wrong? Well, did it work? Here we are a year later. I don't know why this guy even attempted this. I would like to understand. But did the process of having doors that could be locked and stayed locked and you limited the access points, did it work? The political left acts solely on emotion and never once engages data, which is why so much of their pablum is so hard to break through because it's emotional, not rational. But in the real world, of course, emotional is not the answer. These kids are alive for a reason. I'm Tony Katz.